Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here once again today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is a double pod Friday. Yesterday, I had some stuff to do, so I was not able to record two pods today on this Friday. Plenty of content to listen to. This one's going to be a bit more evergreen. The first one that's already been posted is the uh, post the playoff diary number five. So I talked about the Rays. Um, the Astros' big comeback, now making the series 3-2, to two, and the Braves responding to that massive Game 3 from the Dodgers with a big Game 4 of their own, making the series 3-1. to one. So check that one out. It's in your podcast feed. On this episode today, we're going to talk about a couple things. Number one, the, uh, the release of Michael A. Taylor. Uh, really upsetting, sad, a tough release uh, for a guy you know, that was part of the organization for such a long time. And, uh, you know, it's, this is inevitable that we, you know, we see these guys go, right? You see the guys, we've already seen three coaches who are part of the World Series campaign. We see them go and, uh, you know, it's tough as those pieces fall apart and they fall away. And, you know, you try to remember kind of the good things and the good moments they gave you. Uh, Michael A. Taylor's career is a complicated, um, and maybe not so complicated, but a complex one uh, with different twists and turns from where he was drafted to how he performed to, you know, how well he did in the playoffs. So, um, a lot to unpack there with that. And then also, too, we're going to talk about our right field postseason position breakdown. A very interesting position for the Nationals in this 2021, well, 2020 season. It was, you know, it was pretty set in stone who we thought was going to play there. But Adam Eaton didn't do too well. So uh, maybe the position's a bit in flux as we head into 2021. We'll talk about that. And obviously, Michael A. Taylor coming up next on the show. You are locked on Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to it. The first order of business today is Michael A. Taylor has opted into free agency. He will not come back with the Washington Nationals in 2021. This is from Jesse Doherty at the uh, the Washington Post. Um, Quote, now that he's a free agent leaving the Washington Nationals after 11 years with the organization, Michael A. Taylor becomes a choose-what-to-remember kind of player. There's a grand slam in Game 4 of the National League Division Series in 2017, the way he hit last season, how he always seemed to thrive in the playoffs, or for the skeptics, there's the untapped potential, his bad tick behind his final days in Washington, notable for only a few scattered starts and sagging production. The whole of Taylor was confounding, a high-ceiling outfielder who never found his footing here. The outfield formed without him, with Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and Adam Eaton, Settling in by 2019, Taylor's chances became scarce and rushed. In September, near the end of Taylor's seventh major league season, Andrew Stevenson supplanted him as the fourth outfielder of Washington's immediate future. That left Taylor on waivers this week. Then with a decision, once he cleared was uh, and was outrighted to the Nationals' uh, Class A triple, uh, Class AAA affiliate, excuse me. He could accept the minor league assignment or elect free agency. He chose the latter. In all, Taylor is the sixth player to do so since the Nationals' down year ended. Relievers Javi Guerra, Aaron Barrett, Ruenas Elias, Pablo Espino, and Sam Freeman cleared waivers and became free agents. James Bork, Austin Williams, Adrian Sanchez, and Rowdy Reed were outrighted to class uh, to class AAA, shaving the 40-man roster to 33 players before a handful of others hit the market in November. But Taylor's departure is the most significant to date. Nationals drafted Taylor as a shortstop in the sixth round of the 2009 draft. He debuted in 2014, having already been shifted to the outfield and was a regular by the next season. Taylor hit 15 doubles and 14 homers and 511 plate appearances in 2015. He excelled as a defender in center field. He was profiled at best as an everyday player, if not 
His, uh, his glove, arm, speed, and power made him a natural fit off the bench. And so, yeah, I'm going to kind of end that there. You guys can go read the rest of Jesse's piece on the Washington Post. But obviously big moments last year in the playoffs, that big moment in 2017 in the playoffs. A player who, in the end, I mean, he hits 222 in the playoffs, but that's actually not you know as good. His last two playoff seasons in 2017 and 2019, he hit 333. And each of those playoffs, he hit two home runs. And each of those playoffs, he drove in eight runs in 2017. Uh, both his home runs were solo shots. But important ones last year, and obviously a, you know, a guy who hit a home run in the World Series as well, too. But the big story comes with his regular season numbers, right? I mean, his best season was 2017, where he hit 271 is on base, was 320, 486 slugging, and 806 OPS, 2.6 war. But uh, what Jesse said is exactly right. And for Michael A., you know, a guy who was drafted pretty highly, right? I mean, he was in the first 200 picks of the draft. And for Michael A., you know, it was, it was difficult because, you know, makes that transition from shortstop and then goes to the outfield. And yeah, his his defensively, I mean, the stuff seems like it should have transitioned pretty well, but at the plate is where he struggled. And since 2017, you know, he hits 227 the next year. He hits 250 the following season, only 53 games. And this year, 38 games in a season where he was healthy and should have played more. He hits 196 and only plays in 38 games. In a season where all kinds of guys are getting ABs, are getting opportunities for other teams, Michael A. Taylor really did not. And so um, it's one of those where you kind of, you know, we should remember the good with Michael A., but, um, you know, a player that's been with the organization just for so long. And now he is going to be 30 years old uh, next March. And with that, you just think about, you know, he's just not come along. And it feels like he's been a young player forever, but he just hasn't turned into the player that uh, that the Nationals need him to be. And maybe he goes elsewhere, and I, I think he will go elsewhere, obviously, and hopefully he gets some more opportunities. But D.C. just was not going to be the place. And you think about how the outfield struggle this year besides Soto, right? Robles and Eaton had a really difficult time um, hitting and, and providing offense. And Taylor still was not able to find his way into the lineup. He was still not able to find, to carve out a role for him on this team. And that's ultimately what sunk him. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's anybody else in the organization's fault. I'm not blaming Michael necessarily, but it just didn't work out. And they gave it as many opportunities as they should have, sometimes too many. But this was kind of obvious that it was going to come. And, um, you know, like Jesse said, a lot of guys have liked the free agency. Not a ton of, you know, uh, notable names. Javi Gary, you know, he ate some he ate some innings for them. And uh, Sam Freeman had some nice reps, but uh, nothing, you know, really substantial. And obviously with the injury this year. But Michael A. Taylor the significant one out of all the guys who are opting to go to free agency. So we wish Michael the best. Um, remember him for those good moments because he had a couple, and we're going to play a couple right here. But, yeah, it's tough to see him go. But Michael A. Taylor released by the Nationals, and I think it was the right move for all parties involved. One ball, one strike, Davis sets. The kick of the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Right center field. Hap going back. Way back at the wall. He leans and it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Goodbye. It's a grand slam home run for Michael Taylor. Into the basket in right center field with the wind blowing in on a day when no one could hit it out. Michael Taylor is in a grand slam here at the top of the eighth inning. And it's now the Nationals five and the Cubs nothing. Unbelievable. 
the first pitch Michael A. Taylor into left field Ozuna's going back at the track he is at the wall and it is gone Michael A. Taylor ambushing the first pitch from Wainwright and the Nationals strike first it's a third inning home run for Taylor a couple big moments there one courtesy of the Nationals radio network the other one courtesy of TBS and yep so Michael A. Taylor moving on uh, big moments from him there and couldn't put it all together though on a day-to-day -day basis for the Washington Nationals and I think that's why you know they sent him down AAA and then he ultimately decided it was time for a change of scenery time for him to move on before we move on here is a word from our sponsors today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever right now they've got six new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barchia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with their 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. Once again, those 12 flavors, all chocolate, six with nut, six without nut. Right now, you have an awesome chance to win a free cooler with your purchase at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, here we go. Part two of the show today. This is going to be our postseason position breakdown for right field. I said coming into these postseason position breakdowns, that the most interesting were going to be right field and third base. I outright think third base is the most interesting just because of the the different directions they could go. And I discussed all of those with Max Raymond on the Wednesday show, so check that one out. Right field is interesting, and I think it's the most uh, when you look at like the player itself, like who plays there, Adam Eaton. That is that is where it is the most interesting. So as a position, how they handle it, third base is because I think it could be a number of guys there next year, but right field. What there's a few directions this could go, and th because of that, and, and it all starts with Adam Eaton, right? Like Adam Eaton is a center of this, um, in a way that I don't think Carter Keyboom is at third base, just because of you know he deserves a shot, and we don't know what he is yet. And but there's also Starlin Castro there too, so it's a bit more up in the air. This one is this this one could go three directions, all right. One, they keep Adam Eaton, they play him in right field. Two, they let go of Adam Eaton and somebody else is going to play right field. That is not currently a Washington National. Three, they move Juan Soto to right field and they go with, <laughs> I mean, I guess Andrew Stevenson, I don't really know, but th that one is the most unlikely direction. So we'll talk about that one last. Um, just to give you guys, I just wanted to set that up for you all. So, so now to go into it, I know I've been saying as a position, right? Right field of the Nationals, this is the most important stat in my opinion. They hit 226 this year as a team. And the run driving in, they were around league, like, you know, eighth, ninth in the league. They were really, I mean, they were average in the National League. I guess you could say if eighth, ninth is, but like they were pretty far behind the other average teams, right? And I mean, they, they were not that close, uh, I think, in consideration to some of the other teams that, that were there at right field. The guys they had, I think, is six this year to play right field, but guys that had over at least 10 of plate appearances because I think that shows, you know, they, they actually spent a little bit of time at right field, not like just a game. Um, Andrew Stevenson, I think, is worth noting because he had 15. Uh, Michael A. Taylor had 32, but he is now gone. Juan Soto had 21. And then obviously Adam Eaton had 40 starts there, so he got the lion's share of the ABs 
at that position. And for that's where you have to start is Adam Eaton. His season got off to a pretty good start. Adam Eaton did pretty well in the month of July. Um, he hit 296 in 27 ABs, though. And then things went downhill. He hit 220 in August. And in September, he hit 195. And obviously, it was cut short by an injury. So Eaton, we've got to look at his contract, right? He's on the books next year for $10.5 million. All right. And there is a club option for next season. It is a $1.5 million buyout. So he's on the books for $10.5 million in 2021. All right. With all that in mind, let's make the case for Adam Eaton first. His numbers in the past have been very good. Um, This season was the first year that he hit below 270 since 2013, when he was 24 years old, and he is 31 this season. He's going to be 32 next year. All right. A guy who's become a bit more unreliable in the past in 2017, he only plays 23 games. Uh, in 2018, he only plays 95 games. In 2019, he gave you the, he gave you 151, so he gave you basically you know as much as he could. Um, and then this year, he gave you 41, and he's 31 years old, and he's a right fielder. What Adam Eaton gave the Nationals in the previous seasons and namely in uh, in 2018 and 2019 when he gave them at least 350 bats in each season. 2018 he hits 301 394 on base 411 slugging 805 OPS. 2019, all right? 279 365 on base 428 slugging 792 OPS. Um, drives in 49 runs, hits 15 homers, his most since 2016. So 2019 was a really great campaign for Adam Eaton. And in his in his you know back pocket as well too, the argument for him there is that he had more time. He had um, you know he he had a larger sample size back there in that season. Okay, and also he's got a long you know a long resume of hitting you know around 280, 290, and into the three hundreds uh, occasionally dipping into three hundreds twice in his career. The problem is that as you get older and you are playing the outfield, right? I have to be able to trust your body will hold up. And I know a finger fracture is not a great, you know, uh, idea of that. But also, you know, it's it's a little, I mean, it's a little injury, but we have to keep that in mind. But I think the body of work he has before and what he's produced, and why, once again, I would say watching Adam Eaton at bats up to this season was one of the more enjoyable things that came from the Washington Nationals. Um, though His professionalism, the way he grinds, the way he gets after it, is very important and um you know, I I think having that in the one or two hole is a really good thing to have. The problem now becomes you got Trey Turner hitting first, and uh, you know he can put together good at bats, but he's not necessarily moving Trey around a whole lot. So once again, the past is the argument for Adam Eaton. The leadership is an argument for Adam Eaton. The counter and I just the evidence here is staggering. Um, they're not short on veteran leaders in this team. This team needs some youth. That's the way they have to go. There's, Adam Eaton's not teaching anybody. He's not teaching Juan Soto. He doesn't need to teach Andrew Stevenson. Um, he's not teaching Victor Robles. I mean, he's a good guy to watch grind out at bats, but you know that, that's not necessarily need him for. The injuries and the age are another thing you have to, you have to think about. At 32, um, is he going to be able to hold up and be able to produce in that right field spot? The lack of production this year was staggering, and they did everything possible to get him going. No, it's only 40 games, and he could have turned it around, but... 
you know, in a season where we were talking about, hey, if you're going to have a bad one, have it now. For Adam Eaton, this was the opposite. It was weird because in a spot where we felt like a lot of guys could could have, you know, an opportunity to to not play very well, um, it wasn't okay for Adam because he's got that option coming up. And $10.5 million, and I guess to the price, I just don't think it's tenable. I don't think it's something you can pay in good conscience going forward. I mean, if he's out there, you know, for $10.5 million, I mean, unless he says he's willing to negotiate, and I don't think he's going to be, um, it's just too costly. I mean, for what he did this season, you know, maybe you make the argument, I mean, even at 32, if he had had the year he had last year, I think it's a bit easier, right? You say, yeah, you know, he's getting older, but it's fine. But the size deterioration and, and the fact that this lineup and this team is going through the overhaul, it reminds me of The Wire when Brother Mozone says, reform, reform, Lamar, reform. That is what's happening right now. The Nationals coaching staff, the roster, it's getting a reformation. And in this reformation, I think, I don't think Adam Eaton's going to be part of it in the future. I honestly don't. I know I said this, you know, this, this one was a bit challenging, but, you know, or challenging to do. But in the end, when you kind of work through all the numbers and you go through everything, it becomes a lot easier. And something else to know, this average for the team at 226 was only a little bit, you know, that high because in 21 at-bats, Juan Soto hit 400 for them from that position. The Nationals are going to have to spend some money. If, if, they're, if they're serious about next season and moving forward, too, they're going to have to spend some money. Obviously, George Springer at 31, the same age, but he looks a bit more sprightly at 31 than Adam Eaton does, right? I mean, those guys feel like they couldn't be different at the age of 31. Springer feels a bit younger, right? Guy who plays center field, but you could always move him over to right field. Nick Castellanos is becoming a free agent, somebody else you could look at. You know, you you might you could go the left field route and you could consider moving uh, Juan Soto over to right field. I mean, Cespedes, you know, if you wanted to bring him in as an extra at bat, you could. Uh, not high on that. Marcel Ozuna is going to about to get paid by somebody, so I'm interested to see there. I don't think the Nationals are going to partake in that. Jay Bruce is 34, so no. Josh Reddick is 34, so also I think it's a no if you're trying to go younger. Um Jock Peterson has become available as well, too. I mean, there's not a ton of really great options at right field heading into this offseason. So I'm curious with the Nationals, where they want to go with this, what they're thinking heading into this offseason. And this is where it's tough to speculate, right? Obviously, George Springer is the big name, and it'd be weird to see him in the Nationals uniform. But I think if, if they're serious about this, if, if they are truly serious about their lineup next season, it's got to be Real Muto or or Springer. And I'm not just saying that as somebody with a Nationals podcast being idealistic, right? I mean, this team is considering giving Trey Turner a large extension. They've already extended Steven Strasburg. They've got a lot of money tied up in Corbin and Scherzer. But, I mean, you're spending money. And um, for them this season, you know, cut your losses there and, and, and use that money elsewhere. Use that money going forward. I mean, they have some other guys coming off the books and they could put together a definitely, I mean, with, with the guys coming off the books this season, they're going to have the money for a guy like a George Springer or like a JT Real Muto. It's up to them to spend that money. I think they do. I think they go after somebody. I think they're going to get a free agent to play right field. I don't think for $10.5 million, Adam Eaton is the right call next season. And I definitely don't think that is what's going to be happening 2021 opening day. After the season he had, it's weird to say it's only 40 games, but it just wasn't, it just, at that price, at that age, um, with what he's, you know, with what he's shown, they need to get more production. They need to get somebody to protect Juan Soto in this lineup because it can't be Trey Turner. It cannot. Trey 
I've, I've been over this a bunch. Trey has to set the table. Yes, maybe you can slide him back sometimes, the three or four hole, to help drive in some runs, but he's got to stay in the front of that lineup because he's too damn good at getting on base. He is. So Adam Eaton, as much as we like him, as many good moments as he's given us, that right field position has got to be one that gives them more offensively, and I don't think they get it with Adam Eaton. I, I just don't think they do. Springer gives them so much more, gives them more power, gives them more flexibility, gives them more protection, the three things that they really need at that spot. The So I think a solution number two of getting somebody else is the right move, right? I would prioritize right field over catcher for the Nationals. I, I, what Jan Gomes showed, I don't know if he can recreate it, but you already have a steady catcher there. It's not like you're in desperate need of some, uh, some other catcher. Coming off a catcher you know, with, with Jan Gomes, who had one of his best offensive seasons. I would prioritize that outfield because right now, besides, <laughs> besides Soto, man, I mean... Robles has not been uh, what we've hoped he could be developed into as an offensive player and his defense dipped too. And then in right field, they've got to get somebody who gives them both, you know, a, we need a stronger arm out there and hopefully Springer gives them that. They also, they, they really just need that bat though out there. They do need that power bat, that combination bat, somebody that can give them a lift. And once again, you know, it's a guy who's hit lead off, but I prefer him in that two or three hole you know, giving that protection to Juan Soto, wherever they can, wherever they can get, you know, they need to get that. The option three, and this one's, I mean, just way out there. Andrew Stevenson playing, uh, playing left field. And, you know, they moved Juan over and that's fine. My problem here is if it's don't broke, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Andrew Stevenson did get seven starts in left field, one in center and four in right. So Stevenson does have a bit of a, a you know ability to move around, but to make him your everyday left fielder, I mean, you're just going to be you're basically going to be doing this to cut costs at that point. That's kind of what you're like admitting to do is you know, we don't want to bring Adam Eaton back. Uh, we can bring back Stevenson. We can throw Harrison in there in the outfield as well too if we want to. But I mean, for Andrew Stevenson, like he's had limited action, and the thing is, the last two seasons especially, he's hit very well. Once again, very limited action. But this year, in 15 games, Stevenson hit 366, 447 on base, uh, 732 slugging. And another one of those guys who came from the Southeastern Conference, and you guys know me, gigantic fan of the guys who are from the Southeastern Conference. And Andrew Stevenson was an LSU Tiger, one of a uh, few LSU Tigers that uh, the, the Nationals have in their system. So, yeah, I, I mean, you could go with that. Honestly, I prefer that option to Adam Eaton being back for $10.5 million, to be totally frank with you. Um, just because, you know, I mean, it would show that they're being cheap, but also, too, I, I just don't think Adam Eaton's run at this point in time, I, I don't think it's going to continue with the Nationals. I just I just don't. So my the preference here, and I, here, here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. I'll be okay with Andrew Stevenson if they that, that means they spent money elsewhere. If they, you know, if they traded for, you know, God forbid, you know, this is crazy, traded for Chris Bryan or they they signed JT Real Muto. I'm fine with that if those are the circumstances. But if it's just Andrew Stevenson and they didn't really do a whole lot else in free agency, uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. But he's not, I mean, he wouldn't be the solution, obviously. I mean, they could move him to right field. I, I just have a weird thing with moving. I mean, Juan's been this incredible left fielder, and I guess he'll bat wherever, but like it just I don't know if you want to move him out. Like he is your left fielder. There's no need to move him around. I mean, I would say Stevenson can go to right and play right. You don't have to move one set of to right field, even though he did hit very well there in the, in the short amount of time. So um, right field has been out of meeting for the last couple of years for the nationals. And I think it's going to come to an end now. And I think it's because of the money and 
that is the justification for it at this point in time. It has to be the cash. You got to be thinking, hey, for $10.5 million, we could put that towards somebody else who could give us more for this version of the lineup. If they had Rendon back, it's a different story. If they had more killers in the lineup, it would be a different story if it was a more well-filled out lineup and Adam Eaton could fit into it more. But they need they need another big bat because they can't slide Trey back and they got to get somebody else who can they know can produce at a high level, a proven commodity who can produce and protect at a high level. That's what I think. All right, guys, check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me on Twitter personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. Make sure you guys check out the other things in our podcast feed earlier today. I had the uh, postseason diary number five talking about the Rays furious, or excuse me, Astro, Astros furious comeback, and then the Braves punching back in game three, game four, taking a three games to one lead. Also check out all the other postseason position breakdowns we have. We've got catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third, and now today right field. Center field is going to be coming next week. So hope you guys enjoy the baseball. Hope everybody is staying safe out there. And make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast and Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things are part of the wonderful Locked On Podcast Network.